Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from February 7th by Pastor Randy titled, Reset, What It Takes to Reconnect with God, Part 3. All right, so we have said everything, and what I mean by that is everything about the Christian life is about being connected to God. It's about knowing Him, loving Him, listening to Him, just wanting to be with Him. But also, we're in a culture that is very disconnected with God, that that very few people have a connection. If they do, it's a very weak connection with God. And that's obvious. It has to be obvious because of what's going on in our culture. I mean, there's, there's no love or trying to learn how to love. You know, if it doesn't work out too well in a marriage, we just get divorced. There's no humility, no, no submission, no sacrifice. Uh, add on top of that the, the immorality that's going on. Add on top of that being consumed with the worries of the world, the things of the world. I mean, we could go on and on and on. That it's just obvious that, that the Christian people, the Christian culture as a whole doesn't have a very strong connection, if one at all, to God. And nobody gets a pass in this. And it's real easy for us to say, oh, yeah, I understand about that's those people over there and refuse to look in what's going on in our heart. No, we talked about this before. We're all a part of that. We, we have to realize that. And so what we said, that if you want to build that connection up with God, there are three things that we were focusing on. Number one was allowing God's word to penetrate your heart. Number two is praying, not just for physical things, but for spiritual things. And number three was to be connected to the body because the only way we can be connected with God is when we're also connected to each other. Those two things aren't separate. They have to go together. The the body has to be a part of that connection. But they also said these things aren't easy. Because you know what easy is? Easy is just every once in a while reading God's word and, and just checking it off a checklist and not allowing it to penetrate your heart, not thinking, what is God saying to me? Easy is when you just go to pray and you go, God, here's my list. Here's what I want you to do for me. And never taking time to dwell on how the, the wonders of his majesty, the, the, the greatness of his resurrection power, the glory of his inheritance, the, the, the vastness of his love, and, and not focusing on that. And not asking that, that, that your heart be more and more open to that. Easy is when you find somebody else in church that you don't like. They're a little bit different from you. They have different preferences and they're just sort of odd. And, and you just you know, push them away rather than saying, no, I, want to, I got to be involved. I got to do life with these people whether or not that, that, that we're alike or not. Or what our differences are. In other words, it costs to be able to connect. You want to connect with God, there will be a cost. It'll cost your, your uh, rearrangement of your values, of your priorities. You'll have to be willing to put things in a different order. And that's the acrostic that, that we're using to try and get you to, uh, to see how important it is to, to be connected with God by putting things in a different order, to see how that's needed in your life. And so here's our acrostic for order. The O, obtaining anything significant involves losing something else. We're going to talk about that today and a little bit next week. R, reevaluate what matters most. 
D, do not let anything that ultimately means nothing keep you from experiencing what means everything. We talked about that last week with, with uh, phones, distractions and phones and screens and things like that. E, eliminate, don't compensate. And R, revolutionize how you define and win. That's what we talked about two weeks ago, how Moses, if he wanted to connect with God, had to redefine, how, redefine what he counted as a win. Now, <laughs> I know what you're thinking. For an acrostic called order, you sure are going out of order in things. You're not going down in order. And, and I realize that, but that's just the way things are coming out, okay? So, uh, but keep that in mind. So, whenever you used to go to games, it may have been a football game in a football stadium or a basketball game or something, or you watch it on TV. Whenever there's a big event being televised, always in the end zone of football games, you'd see somebody holding up a sign that said John 3.16. Or behind, when they're shooting a f- foul shot, you see somebody behind the basketball go holding up a sign, John 3.16. Which, if you're going to hold up a sign, I guess that's a good sign to hold up. You know, it's the words of Jesus. Here's what that says. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Good sign to hold up. But you've never seen anybody in the end zone back then because they don't do that so much anymore. But you've never seen anybody now or back then holding up a sign that said Luke 9, 23. These are the words of Jesus also. Then he said to them, all. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Those are Jesus' words too. Now, the John 3, 16, that has to do with belief. The Luke 9, 23 has to do with following. Those two things go together. Because you can't really have any real belief without following. You can't separate those two things. But in our world today, that's what we've done. We try to separate those two things. Because we don't have any trouble with the belief part, but the following part, that's a different story. And listen, hear it this way. You cannot follow me. You cannot be connected to me. Because if you're going to follow someone, there's a connection going on, right? So here Jesus said, you want to be connected to me? Here's what it's going to cost you. You have to be willing to to deny yourself. That means completely surrender. Now, he doesn't say deny yourself stuff. He just says deny yourself, meaning don't even look at the direction of yourself. Don't even acknowledge yourself. You want that connection with God? Then you're going to have to reorientate your life around something other than yourself. And that's hard to do, living in a world where it's all about me. The most populated community in all the world is a place called Meville, where everybody subscribes to the same theology, this feline theology. And we know what that is. We've all heard it before. You know, you have a dog, you feed the dog, you give it a home, it follows you around because it thinks you're God. But you have a cat, you feed a cat, give it a home, does it follow you around? No, because the cat thinks he's God, right? And that's what we do. Whenever we hear, for God so loved the world, we think the object is us. We think the emphasis is on us. No, the emphasis is on God. 
And it's been this way since the beginning. That's what Satan comes and tempts Adam and Eve for, to believe a lie that God was the center of the universe, that they could be the center of their own universe. And that lie has been just genetically passed down to us. That's why it's, it's, that's why you don't have to teach your children to throw a fit when they don't get their own way. Not only that, we've invited this lie into the church. So the church, the, the major message sent out in the church is not deny yourself, it's, it's have it your way. Because in our culture, in America, we have where Christianity has, has collided with capitalism, so we created churches full of consumers. What can we do to meet your needs? Because it's all about you. We even have this terminology we use called church shopping, where we go around to, to find a church that what it can do for us. And then you have pastors that drive themselves crazy going around disgruntled church members so they don't go to the franchise down the street. Imagine as a, as a pastor, you sit down with a couple, you're going through marriage counseling and you go through the vows that they're going to take and, and so you go through the vows and then the, the wife speaks up, can I just make one little change? Can we take out that phrase for richer or for poorer? And the guy says, yes, let's also take out that forsaking all others. Yeah, let's take that out. And, and not only that, let's take out that phrase for better or worse because you never know what's going to happen. That's exactly what we've done. We've taken the lifeblood out of Christianity because we quit talking about it being connected to him and following him, and we're talking about have it your way. And, and we, we, we've done that. We, we say, I've committed myself to Jesus, but let me just make a few changes here. Because things don't set so well living in Meville. And those changes, they don't work in a marriage, and they won't work if you're trying to connect with God either. So here's, here's a question for you. How many of you are sectional eaters? And what I mean by that is that you have your food, this, you know, potatoes in this section of your plate and the beans over here and, and the meat over here, and they dare not touch each other. Oh, lots of you guys out there. Okay. Because if your bean juice gets in your macaroni and cheese, you don't sleep well that night. And it's just terrible. And then there's some of you. You don't care. You mix it all together, right? Your eggs, your grits, your biscuits and gravy, sausage, all that get all mixed all together because it's going down the same place anyway. You don't care. Yeah, we got a few of you out there too. Not as many of the other guys. But here, that's often what we have become, started to do as, as Christians in our culture. That's, that's where we're at. Jesus has his own little section. Okay. And, and, and this other part of your life, those relationships, how you date, how you do marriage and all that, Jesus has no contact with that at all. Or your money, what you do with that. We could go on all these different sections of your life that, that Christina was going through. Jesus has, has, has no part of that whatsoever. His commands don't apply to that. That's completely different. But some people, Jesus is just part of everything. He's part of it all. 
He, he, in fact, he's the plate. He, he's, he's part of it all. The emphasis is on him. It's all about him. He's involved in every little part of your life. Whether we like it or not, the Bible proclaims that the heavens and the earth are full of his glory. You know what that means? That means it's not about you. Never has been, never will be about you. Your best life can only happen when you reorientate your life around that reality. Because one day you'll be in heaven. And I promise you, when you're in heaven, it's going to be all about God. And it will be the life you've always wanted. You can always tell people, though, who's got Jesus just in that little section of their life. Because they're always frustrated. People in circumstances are always frustrating them. They're always upset because people aren't doing what they think they ought to be doing. They're always upset because the circumstances of their life aren't happening the way they think they ought to happen. In other words, it's, it's all about me and because this is not happening, it's affecting my life. When you leave here today and you drive away from here, people on the road aren't thinking, how can I make this the best driving experience for you as possible? Let me make sure I get out of the way. You know, let me make sure that, that I'm not blowing up too much snow or stuff where you can't see very well. Let's try and get you the first in line at that red light. That's not the way people drive in Meville. You go to the grocery store, and I promise you, nobody at the grocery store is thinking, how can I make this the most pleasant grocery shopping experience for you? Let me make sure nobody's getting in the way of your cart so you can go exactly where you want. And when you're looking at those shelves, nobody's in your way. You can see everything real clear. Nobody's walking in front of you. you got all the space you need, and you can pick out any checkout line you want. Nobody will be in front of you. That's not the way they shop in Meville. It's not going to happen. But we let grumpy people and lousy traffic and everything else keep us from being focused on what our focus should be upon, on making things about God. Colossians 1, 16. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You know what that means? It means you were born into somebody else's kingdom. And it never has been about you. It never will be about you. Until you understand that, you're going to have issues. Until you understand that, there's going to be difficulty. You're going to have all these frustrations. You have a choice. You can live your life frustrated about people and circumstances, or you can choose to make much of God. But you can't do both. It's going to be one or the other. Isaiah 43, 7, everyone who bears my name and is created for my glory, I have formed them. Indeed, I have made them. God tells us why we were created for his glory. So it's all about him. And nothing can keep you from making it about him. Circumstances can't keep you from doing that. 
People can't keep you from doing that. Death can't even keep you from doing that. You have a choice. But if you want to follow Jesus, you have to be willing to deny yourself and say, it's not about me. I won't even acknowledge myself. It's all about him. That's your choice. If you want to be connected with him, that's how you have to live. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul's in prison. But he's got some problems with some other preachers. You see, these other preachers, they're jealous of Paul because he has a more effective ministry in prison than they do out of prison. So what are they doing? While they're preaching, they're taking little jabs at Paul. You know, they're making a little point. You know, Alabama, yeah, right, you know. Yeah, just some excuse. They, were just, they didn't win anything last year. They didn't lose everything. You know, they, they had it made this year. They didn't have to play the whole schedule. They didn't play LSU this year. They had so we, you know, they, they make little jabs at Paul because they're thinking that's going to hurt Paul because that's what would hurt them. So that's what they're doing. But here's what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether the false motives are true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. What's Paul saying? He's saying, look, you can't hurt a guy by preaching the gospel if his whole goal in life is to see the gospel preached. How many times have I seen ministry either made lessened or totally destroyed because of people's egos? Well, you won't do it my way. This has to be done the way I think it ought to be done. What's more important, ministry or your ego? See, these other guys, it was their ego, preaching out of, out of envy and, and jealousy and strife. It was, it was about them. But Paul says, hey, as long as you preach the gospel, I don't care if it cuts me down or not because it's not about me. It's about the gospel being preached. A whole different way of looking at things. In John chapter 3, John the Baptist was, you know, going before Jesus. He's baptizing. He's got all these crowds coming out to him and listening. Then Jesus shows up and John says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when that happened, things weren't quite the same for John. Here's what we read. So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one who you testified about who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing and everyone's going to him. Now, all of a sudden, John's losing people. But here's what John says. No one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. In other words, it's not about me. It's about God. He says this. You yourselves can testify that I said I'm not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. It's not about me. I've got a role. So John is saying, it's not about me, and I've got a role to play, and I know what my role is. Then he says this, he who has the bride, he who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him, he's talking about the best man at the wedding, rejoices greatly at the groom's voice, so this joy of mine is complete. 
he must increase and I must decrease. See, the way they did weddings were a little bit different than the way we do weddings today. The best man, he was in charge of the invitations, of him seeing the event, and the, and the wedding would last for several days, sometimes a week long. And John was saying, that was me. I was like the best man. I was just preparing everything for the bride and the bridegroom. When they come together, I'll just fade off and out of the scene because it's all about them. John understood that. That's what enabled him to have that connection that he did. But we're so different today. It brought John great joy. Just to play his role. See, that's what frustrates me about sports today is we got all these athletes, it's all about their ego. You know, it's all about them. You know, come look at me. It's not about the fans of the game as far as they're concerned, what, what it used to be about. It's all about their ego. How much can I make? How much, how much can I make? How much can I squeeze out of them? How much can I get? It's different than the way it used to be. Yogi Berra, the catcher for the Yankees, he was a, he's in the Hall of Fame. He was in, in, in uh, uh, several of the, well, he got several, uh, had a couple of World Series rings, all-star games, things like that. It came time for him to renegotiate his contract. He walks into the general manager's office, and there's reporters kind of waiting outside. He comes out uh, a few minutes later, and they go, Yogi, how'd it go? He said, great. I get to play baseball and I get to play baseball for the Yankees and they're even going to pay me. Different approach than what you see today. Remember when Jesus has triumphal entry into Jerusalem? He's riding on that donkey and they're laying the palm branches down going, Hosanna, Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. You are the greatest, Jesus. Now, how many of you think the donkey was thinking they were talking about him? No, the donkey was just a vessel. That's all he was. He was just a vessel. Why don't you do this right now? Turn to one another, or as close as you are, some of you are socially distanced, but if you have to yell across a pew or two, you can do that. Turn to one another and say this. I am not nearly as important as you probably think I am. I'm not nearly as important as you probably think I am. Go ahead, turn to one another and say that. I'm not nearly as important as you probably think I am. Now, say this. Although I am not much, I can make much of Jesus. So Jesus says, you want to connect to me, you want to follow me, deny yourself. Don't even acknowledge yourself. Don't even think about yourself. Don't even think about buying a house in Meville. It can't work that way. You can't be connected to me and live in Meville. Then he says, take up your cross. Now, We have crosses of jewelry today. We display them everywhere as Christians. Probably have some up on a wall in your home or something like that. 
Not during the first century. We have companies today that spend a lot of money when they design their logo because they want to make it appealing to everybody to go, oh, boy, that's a neat logo. You know, I want to be a part of that or, or something. That's just a neat logo to attract people. That was not the cross. When people heard about a cross or saw a cross or anything like that, it was all about sacrifice and suffering. In fact, the cross didn't even start to become a symbol of Christianity until crucifixion sort of disappeared off the scene. But he says, take up your cross. The word takes, very important. That means it's, it's something you have to decide to do. Nobody's making you do this. Nobody can make you pick up out of Meville and, and, lose, and move over to where you're connected with God. You're denying yourself. Your life's all about him. Nobody can make you do that. Nobody can make you take your plate and swish it all together and just eat it all in one bite. Nobody can make you do that. It's a choice you have to make. Deny yourself, take up your cross, a symbol of suffering and sacrifice. Back a, it's been a, a couple of years ago, on TV they were doing this program about this new age of vegetarians or new generation of vegetarians. And they interviewed Chrissy Pugh, 28 years old. And this is what she said. I'm a vegetarian, but I really like bacon. And, and, and how she described herself, we have a new name, we call ourselves flexitarians. Apparently, they don't eat meat unless they really, really like it. By that definition, I'm a flexitarian. I don't eat meat unless, I don't eat meat unless it's being served. Then I eat meat. But then she said this toward the interview. I'm a vegetarian, but I'm just not 100% committed. What a great example of our culture today. Uh, I like Jesus. I'm just not 100% committed. I like Jesus, but I just don't like serving poor people. I like Jesus, but I like to do with my money what I want to do with my money. I like Jesus, but I like to date and do these relationships the way I want to do my relationships. That's where so many people are at. So we take up our cross, a symbol of suffering and sacrifice, a symbol of, of being committed, and we do that. Then, then, then the, the key work of daily, because that's what it means to be committed, isn't it? Daily. If I go to Lisa and say, do you mind if I'm, I'm committed to you every day but Tuesday? Well, then I'm not committed at all, am I? Listen, you have a choice. Do you want to live in Meville or be connected to God? We all want to be connected. But I said, it's not easy. It's going to cost you. You want to be connected to him? It's going to cost you. So, living in Meville will keep you from being connected to God. But... You get out of Meville and those things we were talking about, that, that reading God's word and allowing it to penetrate your life, 
that praying and, and focusing on, on God, just help me to be understand your great love for me today. Help me just to walk in that love. Help me to, to remember what I have as your son or daughter of God as an inheritance. Father, help me to understand how the power of the resurrection can work in my life today. And the third thing about, about being with other people in the body, you move out of Meville, those three, those three things will be easy. It'll be easy. You won't have to have me or anybody else stand up and say, yeah, read the word of God, but if you don't allow it to penetrate your life, and it's, it's not doing a lot of good. You've got to allow it to, to do its work because the word of God is living and powerful and sharpening two-edged sword and wants to, to cut into your very heart and, and show you what's there. You won't have to have anybody standing up and say, man, I, I know that we're not giving God our list. God, please here, do this for me, do this for me. And we all have our list we want to give God. But praying about, uh, about the spiritual side that we see in the New Testament, you'll just do those things. You want to say, you know, you need to love one another. You need to do all these one another's in the Bible and be connected together. No, you want to be connected you want to you you you'll understand that that the way you treat other people is the way you treat Christ those things will become easy for you so let's look at this backwards it's obvious we're disconnected from God because doing those three things is so difficult for us today We can't even keep even outward sin stuff out of the church. We can't even, you know, keep things happening together because you just see all the division stuff that happens. That just shows you how disconnected we are from God. So you have a choice. You can be connected to him or you can live in Meville. Now, some of you, have you ever embraced Christ on these terms? You cannot follow me. If you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow. Have you ever done that? If anyone, well, in Luke 9, 23, if anyone wants to come after me or follow me, be connected to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. Have, have you ever done that? Have you ever come to Jesus on his terms? If you haven't, you can do that. Today's the time to do that. Or you can take the easy way out and just decide you want to keep living in Meville and make it all about you. And you know what? People will drive you crazy and circumstances will drive you crazy till the day you die. They're going to mess with you. You're going to be unhappy about one or the other. It's your choice to make. It's not easy moving out of Meville. to pack up everything you got to pack up and say, I'm just getting out of this place. It's not easy. But that's what it takes to be connected. Are you willing to do it? Because I can promise you this, though. You move out of Meville, you will find that you will have the life you've always wanted. Because that's just a little precursor to what's going to go on in heaven. 
Because in heaven, it's going to be all about him. And you'll go, yes, this is just where I wanted to be. And you move out of Meville, it's got some perks. Not only are you no longer frustrated people in circumstances, you're with the one who you just want to be with. You're the one that fulfills you, that, that brings you, that gives you such a peace and a calm and a joy. You move out of Meville, you will become a different person. And no matter what happens in the world, it can't touch what you have. Oh, man. Why wouldn't everybody want to move out of Meville right now? I don't understand. Because Meville, it's just, uh. But then what will I do? You know, a lot of people struggle with that. Don't struggle with it anymore. Get out of Meville. Move out of it now. You'll have the life you've always wanted. That's the promise of Jesus. Because he says, you follow after me? Oh, yes, there's going to be trouble. Just because you name yourself a Christian, you're going to have trouble. But you'll have me. And even in the midst of trouble, you will be just fine. Just fine. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.